You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report. For each week, we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Song, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. Recording live once again from Josh Boyd's living room. Uh, we are currently in week 13, or we just finished, I do this every week, we just finished week 13 of the NFL season. And today we're going to talk about some injuries, obviously, but injuries of guys who were injured earlier on in the season and kind of had their injuries manifest themselves to season, possibly career-ending injuries in some cases. Um, That's something that we talk about commonly on the show as to how long do you hold someone out to not put them in danger of suffering a career-ending injury. Uh, We'll also talk about some... Uh, hits from the Thursday night game that were questionable, no calls for leading with the helmet rule. We'll also give out some stats or lack thereof stats for the uh, leading with the helmet rule. We got this this week was the my cause, my cleats week. So we got a bunch of causes that guys are, are repping out there. So we'll kind of give what our cleats would look like. I know Josh and I did this last year. Uh, I'm going to pick a new one this year. And I'm uh, for this week. What? I'm unprepared for this week. Well, just pick, you know, whatever's uh, tickling your fancy. Do a quick Google search. I'm going to do it. 501, no, 503, 5013. I don't know. Christmas no. cleats, probably. The non the nonprofit world. Uh, and then we'll finish with the NFL way to play as per huge. <coughs> so starting off this week's injuries, we got Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, wide receiver A.J. Green uh, with a foot injury, and this he needs seizing-ending surgery. Uh, who's going to take this one? Um, there's really not much to describe. I mean, yeah, he's just like limping off the field. Uh, right? Yeah, he just—it wasn't even a pass play. He just kind of took a broke off the line and took a step and crumpled. Um, but we've talked about him this year and how he's dealt with turf toe in the past. Um, and I'm assuming that his quote-unquote foot injury. This year, which he missed a couple games for um, in, the, in the prior weeks, was was this injury. So I don't I don't I don't know if that was ever confirmed or not. But he they, he they just kept saying he was he was out with fo- a foot injury. But I'm assuming this is the basically the same thing. Yeah, he was uh he was out with turf toe. Um, they suspected it, and the question in prior conversations and prior episodes in this was whether or not he had injured what's called a plantar plate, which is just a big, strong supporting ligament of the big toe located in the ball of the foot. It just provides stability to the foot. And the big question to this is if he injured that plantar plate, then he needed to have season-ending surgery. We still are unsure, but he took that step and then just went down. I mean, it was... It was just kind of a weird play, and just to see how emotional he got after that. Um, he was carted off, and he was seen in a boot. So, um, you know, I it, it almost feels like he did uh, rupture that plate, and I think he knew it, and that's what all these weeks were about when he sought a second opinion and, and so on. So um, it 
likely means he's probably out for the rest of the season. If it's just if the planter plate wasn't torn, there is a possibility to return. But I mean, at this point in the season, plus their loss of a quarterback and, you know, they're the Bengals. They're just kind of season is imploding at some point in time. Right? Is, this, is this turf toe, toe ligament injury? Is this like, so he's had toe injuries in the past in his career. Is this one of those things that is more likely to happen? Like, is this like a, like a ligament in your elbow when you like for, to compare it to baseball, you tear your UCL and you have surgery and you get it repaired. And then it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much fine. Like, is, is this kind of ligament in your foot, the same type of deal where, um, if you do it once, it's fine if you get it repaired or. Yeah. Usually these are, these are surgically repaired pretty well. And, um, people recover rel- uh, relatively well from this. Um, in the long term, it's, Probably just about arthritic changes in the in the toe itself um, and and the base of the foot, um, but otherwise they do pretty pretty damn well on uh, in recovery from this. But it just takes time. All right, so it sounds like we might be seeing AJ Green back next season. Yes, <laughs> and hopefully at full capacity. Yes. Uh, another foot injury coming up is uh, with Carolina Panthers tight end Greg Olson, and this is something that he was out with last season last and season, also parts of this season. And this, season yeah. uh, and this was a tough one. I, there's no videos of, like, I think the actual injury or re-injury happening, there's but this, yeah. just the press conference afterwards, you could see, like, in his eyes, like, he knows he's – he seems like he's done. Well, it yeah. seems like – I mean, so, like, touching on what you said, we've talked about him a lot and this injury a lot because he missed a lot of time last year and came back and played. So we talked about him a couple times there, um, and he missed some time this year, and it's I'm sure it's a lot very frustrating for him because he has given it a lot of time. Um, I don't know, maybe this is one of those injuries where you think you've given it more than enough time, and it co- feels completely fine until you actually go out there and play at 100% again. Um, but this, like the other ones, and the first time he did it last year, it just he just took a step. He just took a step, non-contact, no real force. Um, and just a life of playing football, maybe. Yeah. But um, it was the same thing with this year. He just took a step, and you you could tell that he knew one of those injuries that he knew right away what it was, because just because he always done it in the past. And he's been dealing with it for correct. So uh, there there's two things that happened on here. What it's what's being reported is that he ruptured the plantar fascia of the foot. Um, what he did prior was injure and fractured that fifth metatarsal bone, and it, it's likely that's what he did earlier in the season, but. He's been playing through it. He gave it like three, four weeks of rest. And typically those things take you a lot longer. He tried to play in uh, through it. Um, he returned and then he started compensating because, hey, you know what? It hurts when I do a certain step and it hurts when I plant my foot a certain way. So I'm going to alter the way that I plant and I'm going to put more force and strain on other areas of the foot. And then what ended up happening was that he ruptured this plantar fascia. And most people hear about plantar fasciitis. Um, and that's just um, recurrent micro-tearing uh, of this plantar fascia and just pain. And it takes a while to get better. When it finally gets better, you know, uh, you're fine. But otherwise, you're, you can be pretty miserable with this thing. And so oftentimes, if, if this is a chronic, chronic, chronic thing people will have a, a release of the plantar fascia, which is essentially what he just did. He just tore it off. So That's one way to do it. <laughs> it really is. You know, in, in some places, um, 
uh, some orthopedists would uh, inject you with some steroids into the plantar fascia and steroids naturally cause the, the fascia to become a little bit weak and, and ligaments to become a little bit weak. And then they tell you to jump up and down and then you'd naturally tear it. And there's the surgery. It's already done. But then you have to go through the recovery time. And a general rule of thumb for soft tissue healing is for about without re-injury, for 80% of healing to, to occur, you need about six to eight weeks. And for full recovery, uh, 100%, he needs about 12 weeks. Um, but again, these guys are freaks of nature. They have the best recovery methods and so on. So you can speed up some of this a little bit more for them. Um, medically, next year, he, you know, these things heal and he should be fine. But given the fact that he's had so many injuries to the foot and ankle, you know, I, I, I think Greg Olson's going to uh, think about potential uh, retirement and whether or not he wants to come back. The one, the one thing with Greg Olson, I don't know if we touched on this last year, but when he was out last year um, with his injury, he actually broadcast a game on Fox. Fox had him in booth for, uh, I don't even think it was a Panther Prepping. game. Yeah, so, it, and I, I think they were, it, he was doing a Vikings game, and the Panthers were playing the Vikings later in the season. And, oh, wow. the, and the Vikings, like, I remember Zimmer made a comment about it, because, like, he was involved in, like, the the pre-production meetings with that all the broadcasting crews always do with the coaches. I mean, it's like interviews, and, I mean, you're not really gaining anything other than what they tell you. Um, but I think that could really, uh, he did he did well, obviously for Fox and um, he has a, I think a clear path after, he's better than after Whitten? football. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to <laughs> really want to get into it. He's not great, but they're just, it's uh, we, a giants. Fan, we'll talk about it. At the end of yeah, the yeah, we'll right, talk right, about right, the right. full, full ESPN booth sometime later in the year after they have to do a playoff game, which will be the worst, a miserable experience for everyone to watch. But, <laughs> um, but so it's he has a clear path to stay in football, but uh, and maybe that makes it a little bit easier for him to step away, um, whereas he knows he can go right into it. Um, so maybe that maybe that helps. He has other stuff going on bit. too outside of football. His he has a bunch. Of, yeah, his kid, his his, his his son had had a bunch of health problems, and he right. has a found obviously a foundation for that. Right, and, uh, he's done a lot of charitable work in in Charlotte with the Panthers, and, and he's from the U. Miami, you know. Yeah, just based on his reaction in his press conference, like I could just tell he's like, I'm done. I would be surprised if I saw if we see him again. Yeah. yeah I, I think he's done for the year, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. Yes. And they're falling off the map as a team also. Yeah. Uh from one tight end who might be done to another, <laughs> to another Yeah, to another tight end. We got New England Patriots, Robert Gronkowski. Um, he took a good lick across the middle of the field on this one. This is a good video, and I'm sure you'll you'll post. But you could post this video, and you'll have no idea if this was 2018 last week or 2013. Like this, you've seen this video and this hit of Rob Gronkowski uh, tens, twenty, thirty times in the past six years, and this is why we've gotten to the point with him that we are. And it's in no control of himself other than he's just a gigantic human being. And the way 6'3", 200-pound safeties try to tackle a 6'7", 280-pound tight end Monster. is they missile their helmet and shoulder at his thigh and his quad. Yep. 
and that's and that's what ha- that's what happens. So that's what that's why he breaks his leg and bruises his bruises his legs, and he's just not at this point in his career. He's kind of it looks like oh he's lost a step. I mean he's still a freak athlete, but at the same time, like yeah, can you imagine if someone just five times a week someone just ran as fast as they could and chopped you down like a tree from <laughs> from your quad? It would definitely take a toll. Yeah. So <laughs> and and like I said, it's no fault of his own except that he's just a. It's a huge human human. being, and that's how anybody – that's how the majority of defenders try to tackle him. You know, he – and that's exactly what it is. That wasn't Sendejo. No, no, no. 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 He's he's hurt, actually. Oh. He he essentially suffered a quad contusion, and we talked about quad contusions in the past. They'll keep him pretty flexible. That's the the key to avoid that uh, extra bone formation that we talked about back in a couple episodes that – uh, myositis ossificans um, as the dreaded complication of it. But, you know, the Patriot staff is you, you've got a, a, a five star uh, medical staff working on you. They're going to they're going to keep him flexible and avoiding that. He'll yeah, be, he'll be back yeah. in there. Oh, this isn't really a, a more of a. Yeah. Imminent injury issue more is just a. Like, this is a. This is a Gronk. Like, Gronk is, breaking down yeah. over time type of thing. And yeah. he's another guy who's going to probably contemplate yeah. retirement too. How many of these hits can you take? And once you realize, which I think he's done over the past two years, that no matter how he plays, no matter what he does, this is what happens to him. Yeah. And he's like, how much more of that can you take? You know what I mean? Right. I feel like he's built up himself enough of a brand too outside of oh, the yeah. game that <laughs> he will he will not be in the broadcasting booth, but no. he will be doing a lot <laughs> He'll of He'll be doing something. A lot of fun. Himself a lot of money. He'll be a guest broadcaster. He'll be a guest broadcaster. <sighs> I, I would love to hear Gronk call a game. He'll like host like a Super Bowl like sh- I don't know, T V show or something. He'll be talking about all the hot chicks in the audience. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll join Barstool. <laughs> yeah. I could see. I could, he could yeah, like he'll yeah. work at Barstool. Yeah, yeah. I could it see. definitely would. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on. There's like a lot of like similar injuries. There's like cl- mm-hmm. clusters of in t- different types of injuries. So uh, another one is Denver Broncos cornerback Chris Harris with a broken fibula. Couldn't find the video on this one. So I yeah, I just really saw his reaction yeah. after the yeah the yeah. game post game. But there was no um, there was no video on this. Um, you know, Chris Harris in the video is saying that he'll be back in about four weeks or so. Because um, he's a fast healer. <laughs> well, you know, the fibula is that smaller bone on the leg, right? So the the bigger thing about that is that it's, it's a non-weight-bearing bone. So it has more time to heal without any added pressure on it, right? So, you know, typically four to six weeks is, is, a, is a relatively decent healing time. Could he potentially be back in that time? Yes, it's a possibility. But, um, you know, we, we'll have to see how, how he goes. But, um, you know, if they make it into the, the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in there too. So, uh, hold on, bear with me one second. I'm trying to, I have a comparison. Um, and this is not what I'm looking for. Um, so last year, Steelers, obviously, Steeler comparison. Same same position, same injury. Um, so Joe Hayden, corner, uh, their, their, their top corner, did the same thing. Broke his fibula week 10 
against the Colts in mm-hmm. Indianapolis. Same exact injury. I'm assuming it was a, a same, same type of play where he just uh, – Hayden last year went to make a tackle and was like shin to shin. Mm-hmm. Um, broke his fibula, and he didn't come back until week 17. Um, and I don't – the Steelers had clinched everything, um, but they he wanted to play before the playoffs. But uh, And that was one, two – six weeks. Sure. Um, so, like I said, four four weeks is – he. I think Hayden was practicing – Sure. And, and running in about three, four weeks, but four weeks for full game action um, is close. And right now, so that was week 13. So four weeks, you miss four weeks, you miss the rest of the season. Right. Four weeks left. Um, so if he makes the playoffs, that fifth week is maybe since that fifth week is a playoff week, he tries to push it a little bit. Um, but it, it also depends on where you break this thing, you know, along the bone and how the break occurs, uh, the type of fracture it is, if it's compound. Uh, transverse spiral all of these other uh, components make a difference because that affects how many pieces of bone are broken and how long it will take you know if you got a hairline fracture versus a full frank uh, fracture that's displaced and things like that so you know with the Hayden injury too you know it 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 was just slightly it was a minor minor break a hairline break and it was still Six, yeah. six weeks. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to do it. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. But is it likely? Yeah. Probably not. I feel like a lot of these guys always immediately come back. Like as soon as the injury happens, it says, I'll be back this date. Yeah. I'll be, uh, but, and it's more, a lot of it is almost more wishful wishful thinking than, than anything else. Well, Absolutely. especially a broken bone, I feel like a lot of that's just like out of your control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> it's not like you're like getting muscles stronger. Yeah, it's kinda... like the next injury. Yeah, so last night, um, if anyone was watching the, the Monday night game, uh, quarterback Colt McCoy for the Washington Redskins uh, fractured his right fibula. And this one, like, just looked bad. It looked like his leg kind of, like, wrapped around the other player's uh, <laughs> leg. Um, so when they were talking, like, contusion, I was like, eh, I don't yeah. know about yeah, that. You can tell right away. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that a lot of these teams don't immediately, like, even though you, you could see it on TV, and a lot of these teams won't immediately – Say it until later on after the game, like in game. They're like, ah, he's questionable with a with a lower body injury, but you could tell he's just. It was a pretty violent whipping action against uh, uh, the defender's leg. He actually and went in back in for another play, right? No, no, no. He tried to go um, uh, on the sideline. He tried to warm up, and um, he literally took like three steps back on his drop back and said. No, I can't do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then they took him back into the uh, locker room. Like the crazy thing about this play is, obviously, we're not going to change how change the quarterback any rules against the quarterbacks because of this play. But the reason, really, the reason why he got hurt is because the defender is avoiding making contact with the running quarter, yeah. a sliding running quarterback. So Colt McCoy kind of slid head first, and he almost slipped and fell to begin with. So he was off balance, but he dove, slid head first, and. Like whipped his legs around back behind him, and the defender was trying to jump over him to not make contact, and he just went shin to shin yeah. again. And um, just based on their bodies and how they were moving, like you said, his shin snapped. You could you could see it break and kind of whip around the other guy's shin. But like the defender was just trying to get out of the way. He was just trying not to make contact with the quarterback so he didn't get a penalty, and it led to a quarterback getting hurt. Not uh, snapping like Alex Smith, but no. you could tell it had some bend to it. Yeah. So I'm going to correct you, Josh. It's not shin to shin because the shin is the bigger bone. It's the tibia. Okay. The smaller bone is the fibula. 
and so he hit the outside. So okay, on, on, okay. on the technicality. Yes, yes, yes. Leg to leg, lower leg to lower yes. leg. Yes, there we go. Lower leg to lower leg. You know, I'm like Chris Novinsky, only for orthopedic. Orthopedic. <laughs> terrible, terrible comparison. Uh, okay, next injury up is Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner with a lower leg contusion. We got a video of this one too. Yes, in the Sunday night game, unfortunately for the Steelers, awful, awful, terrible football game um, to watch. Stat of the day, stat of the day. <laughs> so this is in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going into this game, they were 220-0-2. Never lost at home when leading by 14 or more points at any point in the game. Hmm. And they were up by 16 and a half time and they lost. Impressive first, stat. First time in the history of the Steelers, they lose at home when winning by 14 or more points at any point in the game. So, so with that said. That's like incredible. Yeah, James, that is. James Conner got hurt. Um, <laughs> this one, I, I they sh- obviously his reaction on the field it, after it happened, he looked like he was in a ton of pain. And then watching the replay of it, I was expecting him to like get rolled up on pretty good and it to be a pretty nasty looking injury. And it didn't look overly like it didn't look that bad just looking at it you can say his foot kind of gets stuck underneath him and his toes kind of in the ground but um uh it's i don't know we'll see he's they've already ruled him out for this week i would say the same thing four weeks it's these ankles it depends on high ankle low ankle they didn't really i think they wanted to say high but I don't know if tomlin didn't want to address that yeah he said lower leg and he's out but usually when he's out, when 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 they diagnose, at least with the Steelers, when they diagnose guys out before the practice week even starts, it's a multiple week injury. Yeah. So let me take you through this video, right? This, it, when you look at this video, there is nothing leg contusion about this. This looks like a high ankle sprain. So you see, as he comes through, his toe gets caught. And then his ankle kind of swivels out and he surf- suffers a, a bit of an external type rotation, right? And then the defender falls on the back of the ankle. Those are classic for high ankle sprains. You can, you can look, at, look at it very closely when, when we're watching this video. It's a great video, actually. And so high ankle sprains are kind of, they're really tough. Um, they can involve the syndesmotic ligament that holds the fibula and tibia together. And in really severe ones, you can even get a, a fracture higher up on the fibula too. Um, but they're really difficult to come back from. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that, that Connor won't be back this week. There, there were talks that he actually may play. But um, with this type of injury, he's definitely not going to have the same type of speed and burst as, as he did. It's just going to be painful for him to, to plant and go. Right. So it's just like Matt Breida, who's been suffering with this same injury the whole, whole season. He just keeps coming in. And when Breida is healthy, he's a he's a great running back. When he's been just kind of touch and go with this stuff, you can see it affects his numbers, it affects everything about it, about his game. So, you know, to me, when they labeled this a, a leg contusion, I, I don't see where the leg contusion part would come into play. I, I think it's 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 more of a, a high ankle sprain. All right. Thanks for the explanation. And I, I, I looking at that, I obviously don't have a medical background like you, Waz, but 
same thing. Like with a contusion, you expect like some sort of contact Absolutely. to or trauma to that area to make it happen. Whereas this one, yeah, it looked like he like got his yeah his foot stuck and kind of twisted yeah. a weird way and exactly a rotational force and there it was, you know, contusions, Gronk, bang, he gets hit. That's a contusion, right? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. All right, we got another running back injury. We got Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, uh, running back with a shoulder injury. What, yeah. What's his prognosis? You think? Oh, he's he's pretty good. He just got his uh, shoulder driven into the ground and just looked like an AC sprain, AC joint sprain. Um, he went to the tent, got looked at. He missed a couple of plays. He was right back in there already. I don't expect him to miss any time. As a matter of fact, he said, "I don't feel any pain anymore." <laughs> so, Doesn't feel like pain. in his shoulder or like in general. <laughs> yeah, I did. Listen, I'll take it. <laughs> no pain, no gain. Uh, all right, last injury we got for this week is uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Ryan Switzer uh, with a concussion. So he got uh, hit over the middle, and they did flag this. They um, a lot of these lowering the head penalties, which we'll talk about later, can also be. I think some of these they call defenseless receiver. Um, Four, even I guess you could call it technically for both because it is almost the same penalty. Um, but he did get a flag thrown on the play. It wasn't the worst one I've ever seen, but the way they're calling the defenseless receiver, I guess it is a penalty, but it was helmet to helmet, um, and they he didn't he didn't come back in the game for this one. It was later in the game, uh, in the in the fourth quarter, so there wasn't a lot of time for him to come back in the game. Um, but they didn't uh, they didn't. End it. Yeah, based on the angle, I like couldn't tell if it was helmet to helmet or not. Like I couldn't tell if the impact to like the upper shoulder area caused his head to jar back, or was it because he actually like crowned the helmet like to the helmet or to the face mask caused his head to snap back. To but me, to me, it looked like that. It looked like the uh, crown of the helmet to the lower face mask. Um, but it was so bang bang, and I don't know that I can criticize that hit. Me either. It didn't look malicious in that meeting my criteria of like not leading your feet, and he was in control of his Correct. tackle. Yeah. Um, was he a little high? Yeah. Did the wide receiver probably yeah. turtle a little bit yeah. because he knew he was going to get hit? Yeah. And Switcher is already five ten. I mean, he's yeah. already a small guy, so you see a lot of these, and all it's it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy because the smallest wide receivers play where they play in the oh, slot. Yeah. Where the slot guys always end up in, in the, the middle, middle of the field. The yeah. So you get you got uh, these these shorter wide receivers who are always catching balls close to the line of scrimmage around the middle of the field, and they're going up against linebackers who are six three six four. It's just it gets a bad it's a bad equation for uh, for helmet contacts. I guess it was kind of like very Wayne Cabret, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Wes like Welker, the, Wes, Wes Wes Welker. Welker all types oh of concussions from even then he was before all these rule changes. So yeah. that's where he, that's where he played. So like a lot of these guys, but jeez. Uh, all right. So that, as I said, that's, that's it for the injuries this week. Um, next topic of discussion is the, my cause, my cleats movement that they do, or I think this started last year or two years ago. I want to say it was last year. It seems like people have kind of spread out from, great great causes and they've they've gone now it's like not even causes it's just like things that they like (laughs) correct yeah Yeah. which is which is cool too yeah Yeah, but i think it's a cool thing to point out in terms of like what i think the nfl is doing a good job of is like caring less about the small stuff or not sweating the small stuff like whereas 
they have very strict uniform rules. Guys get fined if they don't adhere to those rules. And this is kind of like a one chance excuse for guys to kind of, you know, you're allowed to break the rules this week and do it for a a good cause. It's allowing some individuality to the game. They also do a good job of publicizing it and promoting what the, what the players are, uh, whatever they're there, what the players are trying to promote. The NFL has done a good job of getting that out there for people to see, not just, okay, you guys can put whatever you want on your cleats this week and we're not going to say anything about it. And there's going to be a bunch of colors on the field. The NFL has, this guy is doing this and this is why he's doing this. Right. Yeah. All types of, it's cool to see like what these guys interests are outside of football. Correct. correct. Um, just to highlight a couple um, the, we on in the blog post you'll see some examples of, of some guys' cleats, but they did a cool behind the scenes feature with uh, Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, he picked like some sort of marine. He, he mm-hmm. like kind of I don't know if it was an organization or but there was an actual marine who was like involved in the design of this cleats and a guy who served in the Marines for like 13 years. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then another one that stuck out to me, obviously just because of my interest, is. Uh, uh, rookie linebacker uh, Jermaine Carter. He plays for the uh, Carolina Panthers, and he actually played with um, what, what's the kid's name? Jordan McNair. McNair from Maryland, who yeah. passed away uh, after a, a workout from exertional heat stroke, and his cause represented a safe approach to prevent sudden death in athletics. So I thought it's a cool thing. It's something that obviously is in line with my interests. Um, and to me, you don't see that. You don't see guys in the NFL or professional athletes like speaking out on causes like that. It's like a taboo thing of like talking about injuries and stuff that happens that kills people in the sport, the very sport that you play and the very sport that you've played your entire life. Because those are the kind of things like you don't want to think about. You don't want to think about guys like that when you're going out on the field or when you're pushing yourself in a workout because – you know, there's that fine line between like pushing yourself to get better and pushing yourself to the point where you kill yourself, where I almost crossed that line and Jordan McNair crossed that line. Right. So, um, I thought it was cool that the NFL like even embraced it. The team embraced it. They took some cool pictures of it and stuff. So, um, definitely takes a personal experience for someone to go that, not go that far, but uh, to publicize it as much as you would you would want to and hope that they would. Yeah. You know? So do you guys have picks for your cleats? Kev, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll do mine first. So last year I picked the High Fives Foundation, which is a, a guy, uh, Roy Tuscany, that I interviewed on the podcast. I forget which episode it was, but basically it helps um, permanently injured athletes, whether that's combat veterans or spinal cord injury um sufferers and helps them kind of get back into sports specifically with like surfing and like winter sports like snowboarding and skiing and stuff like that um so that was my last year this year i'm going to give it to another interview of mine uh with sidelined usa it's a nonprofit uh, based out of chicago but they cover the entire united states and it's run by Cade and Christine uh, Pinalto. And Cade's story is that he was diagnosed with a heart defect. I forget exactly what it was. Um, but basically it sidelined him, couldn't play basketball anymore. And basically their organization helps permanently sideline athletes kind of find new purpose and meaning outside their sport, but like through their sport. So through journalism, athletic training, um, 
coaching and they provide mentors to help these athletes kind of find their way after they're told that they can't play anymore. So Sideline USA, it would be my cleat for the week. Nice. I will go. Last year, I think I did a autism awareness um, for mine uh, that I picked last year. This year, I think I'm going to keep it with youth um, and one that I'm sure I'll, I, a lot of uh, a lot of NFL players are, are big on this and they and they talk about this a lot. But uh, the keeping youth sports alive and and especially in schools, um, making sure, making sure a lot of uh, inner city schools and, and and schools in general have money for for gym classes and for sports teams and to keep the the youth of America involved in uh, in sports activities for the benefit of playing sports and also for the benefit of uh, just a, a, a health and wellness um aspect and uh kind of like a, a fight against obesity also nice you know my mine my choice is a is a combo choice um because it was kind of crossed uh together um in in its uh in its cause so mine is uh doctors without borders mixed with soccer without borders so uh a buddy of mine kind of got me into both of these things he he does a bunch of medical missions um uh with doctors without borders and other organizations like that and uh he's a pediatrician he goes down there and he takes soccer balls with him and basically you're providing to the kids uh just some access to to some sort of sport or extracurricular activity that they do not have access to and just to see these kids light up just getting a soccer ball and just kicking that thing around and whatnot really promotes a healthy lifestyle, just like Josh was talking about with his with his uh, not for profit, and um, and it, you know it just uh, gives a a whole team building experience. So you know culturally you're 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 passing along so much to them, and obviously the doctors without borders part of it as we try to go into various areas that are very needy and have no access to care. Great choices, guys. Um, I'm going to try to do a little Photoshopping with uh, logos and stuff and try to give us our cleats for the, the week, and that will be the cover photo. Nice. Um, all right, next topic up is a, a quick one. Uh, we got Jalen Ramsey's uh, Just Kidding Help Me Pick Up From, from the Ground. Um, Josh, you want to take this one just because – it related to something that happened last year. Yeah, we talked about this last year when Von Miller knocked down a quarter. I think it was Tyrod Taylor on the Bills, and he uh, stood over him and put his hand out to try to help him up. And then Tyrod went to went to take it and pulled his hand back. And they actually threw a penalty. They threw an unsportsmanlike penalty on him. And it was late in the fourth quarter. I mean, maybe it wasn't the fourth quarter. It was late in the second half, and it was a third down. So it extended the drive. Bills ended up scoring. I think the Bills ended up winning the game. Um, but I kind of commented on the nfl and how that's a silly thing to kind of yeah throw a flag on but it was right in front of the referee he was in the backfield this time uh same thing andrew luck ran around it was scrambling outside the pocket and was probably 10 15 yards downfield slid um and jalen ramsey was over top of him put his hand out and then just completely <laughs> luck went to get went to take it and walked away uh i don't know it's it's silly it's funny i don't know people like kind of like to make a big deal out of this like uh, JJ Watt on the or uh, TJ Watt on the Steelers was playing his l- younger brother Derek Watt was a fullback for the Chargers this week on Sunday night and they're like 
or if you knock him down, are you going to help him up? And it's everyone makes a big deal about people on the other team helping the other guys up in yeah. football. It's a, oh, it seems like a big deal, but silly. The thing that's – well, you could look at it one way. It's yeah. like the NFL not sweating the small stuff like we talked about before, and that's kind of like not – that's a small thing. Yeah. But when you think about like sports in general and like when you think about sportsmanship, like yeah. if you were going to take a picture of sportsmanship and put it in the dictionary – Chances are nine nine times out of a hundred, you're gonna pick someone like helping the other guy off the ground. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like the epitome of sportsmanship. But what are you? What are you gonna say? No, it is. It, it, it definitely <laughs> is. You're right. I feel like football mentality. There's probably some guys on your. You're playing on what team you want to play on? Pick a team. The Green Bay Packers. So you're playing on the Packers. You're playing middle linebacker, and you lay a guy out and you help him and you help him up. There's probably guys in your team that's like this 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 effing guy, he's helping up the other team. Well when I was a, a sophomore back in my day, uh I started at linebacker and I was playing with all guys who were older than me obviously and we were watching film after one of the games and we were playing East Orange. I remember I like helped the quarterback up because I remember like tackling him and him like screaming like he like broke his ankle or like did something terrible so i like went down to like help him up and people give me such crap the next day about help trying to help him up and that's something that like sticks with you you're like, that's it i and i think that's probably how more unique to football kevin tackled me yeah. too so. <laughs> I, I think that's more unique to football than it is in say basketball or yeah i mean baseball you're not really knocking each other over i don't, know, lacrosse, I don't know but jalen ramsey's becoming a douchebag or extraordinaire well, he's I don't not know. becoming he, he is. is he well, is he likes but the, he's becoming like he Montez. likes Fontes is number one jalen <laughs> oh. is number two jalen likes to stir the pot yeah. yeah he's not i don't think he's dirty he just he likes he likes to stir the pot and do whatever he can i'm to. not saying he's dirty i'm just saying he's douchey yeah yeah, <laughs> is there a difference? <laughs> I think he. I think he likes. I think he. That's. I think that's what he aspires to be. To be honest, at least on the field, off the field, I don't think he is. Blake Vontes. Maybe you could put a big D bag over that Twitter <laughs> <laughs> video right. as he's running. Uh, all right. Next up, we Serious got topic. Yeah, we got helmet rule stats, which we talk about every freaking week. It sounds like, and and. I'm thinking back on it, like when I listen to NFL radio in the beginning of the season, this is all anyone talked about. Yeah, we got helmet rule, we got roughing the passer rule. People were up in arms about it, and it was an unknown early in the season. It was supposed also. to change it the whole game. It would have changed the whole game if they called it like That's they did in the thought. preseason. Yeah. Right, it would have. So Chris Nowinski put out a stat that the NFL's lowering the helmet rule, which we spent all summer talking about, has been called only eight times a season, and we we talked about this in the preseason episode that they called it 75 times in the preseason which is only three weeks long four weeks four weeks and 50 times in the 51 times in the first two weeks of the preseason um and there's no excuses for this it's no oh half the half the guys were getting cut it's it's not it's um so bigger picture this week specifically right so we talked you just said eight times this season. It's been called lowering the helmet or yeah, lowering the helmet to initiate contact penalty has been called eight times this season. It's been called it was called three times this weekend. Week thirteen they called three times. Um, so that means five times from weeks one through weeks twelve it was it, it was called. Um, and I think a lot of the these the three that were called this week has to do with Thursday night game. There's two plays in the Thursday night game that didn't get called that got a lot of exposure nationally and 
caught some grief through the NFL caught some grief for not calling. Um, we have both videos. The first was a Saints linebacker or Saints tight end going over the middle, caught a pass, and the play ended up being challenged and reviewed because he caught a pass, took a hit, um, fumbled the ball. The Saints recovered it. They called it incomplete on the field. Saints challenged it that it was a catch and a fumble. So he's the Saints guy actually ended a different Saints player and ended up recovering it. So it was a 20 yard field position change and it was down by the red zone. But since it was a challenged play, they were showing, they showed five, six, seven replays of it. And you could clearly tell that the safety on the Cowboys lowered his head to initiate contact with a, with a, another player, with an opponent. Um, and it was clear head-to-head contact, no penalty called. Um, and there was another play with Jalen Smith, the linebacker for the Cowboys, who had a hit on Alvin Kamara, lowered his head, initiated contact, um, again wasn't called. And that was also a big play on Twitter that had like basically saying this is the definition of what the rule was supposed to be before the season. So it was publicly – for one of the first times in a primetime game, it was publicly um, criticized about how these specific plays weren't called. Um, and then it gets called three times in, in the weekend. My biggest uh, question, I guess, if you want to say, is with the number of times it was called in the preseason and whatever meeting they had to tweak and change the verbiage and whatever they wanted to do, um, what is this? Is this just was this a directive that came down from the NFL to the officials that said we kind of tweaked the rule so you don't have to call this at all, or you don't have to call it unless it's clear, blatant, and obvious, uh, or is it maybe the refs don't agree with the that's, that's probably less likely, but the refs don't agree with the rule. It's a judgment call. They don't want to be put in that position. They don't want to impact a game as much with a 15-yard penalty for these plays that might happen more often. But why, why has it changed so much since the preseason? Is there going to be a conspiracy theory that says that, hey, you know what, we don't even have – one flag per game or one call per game so far this season, right? Uh, in terms of weeks of the season, right? We don't even have one flag per week, let's say, instead. And is this something that when the NFL looks back, they're going to say, look, this wasn't such a big deal. There was only X amount of calls made. You know what I mean? Is this some bigger thing to say that and, and to downplay these types of hits? Yeah, it could, it could be. You don't, but you don't know. It's it, a lot of it depends on what the NFL wants it to be going forward. Do they want it to be what it is, and it even decreases even more next year? Do they want it to be more so like what it was in the preseason? I don't. I don't know what they want. I, I you know what I mean. I don't know what their uh, goal with the rule is. And uh, and we this, going back to what we the conversations we've had multiple times. I initially thought that their goal by making the rule was more of a public relation game improvement for them to publicly uh, politicize. This is how we're making the game safer by our rules that we have written down. It doesn't matter if we call them or not, but it's, I think, but it's in the rule book. I think big hits draw big fans, big viewership. I mean, that's kind of what the NFL was based on you know for, for a long for time a good 10-year stretch from the, early, the late yeah, 90s all about and the, the big early hit, 2000s yeah. that yeah. was it, it was all over and publicized what do you think of my thought is to me it is it, i think it's a pr stunt only because 
you, you have the defensive receiver rule, which was put in place for a reason. Which they still call a lot. Exactly. So it's almost Switzer. like the the helmet rule and the defensive receiver rule kind of get blurred in a lot of cases. Oh, yeah. And it's like you can call the helmet rule, but you can also call it defensive receiver rule. And maybe the defensive receiver rule is more accepted because it's been in place longer. So exactly. when you call it, people don't care as much. So you could have that going for you. But I think the mistake that – they made with by introducing the helmet rule is that it now opens up the whole penalty to a non defense to anyone to anyone who's playing the game of football on that field you don't have to be a defensive receiver it is any play and, and it's going to happen on every single play so that's that's the they shouldn't have done it in the first place they should have maybe just like finer tuned the the defense's receiver rule and kept it at that. But by opening you open Pandora's box by creating this rule that is almost impossible to adhere to. Correct. Without stopping every single play. But that's kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the year, but also in that same and why we were, I don't know, encouraged, I guess maybe about the wording of the rule is from a, from a defensive player safety standpoint, that rule should make the game a lot safer for them, like we've talked about. A lot of guys that you see get hurt, especially defenders, are guys who tackle, quote-unquote, wrong, and which was – I think this penalty was trying to take out. You know what I mean? Right. So I, 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 I agree with you when – I this is and like that's what my thought. You, what you just said was my exact thought as soon as the rule came out. Uh, my, my thought was this happens on every single play. How are they gonna realistically call it or in, in, enforce a rule that if you watch a game, like every almost every tackle a guy lowers his head. Right. It's yeah. just that's kind of that's kind of how you tackle. And just because you're lowering your head also doesn't mean that it's a bad form tackle. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, that's what I was kind of confused about, but it's it's pretty much gone as planned. I mean, a lot of times when you're tackling, or at least when I was growing up, when you're taught to tackle, you head across the body. Correct. Like, you have to lower your head to do that. Yeah. I, I think we need more robo-dummies that we can start tackling. Yeah. What episode was that? Yeah. A few episodes back. Dartmouth guys. Yeah. Yes. I, like you said, I, I, I really agree that the wording of the rule was too – much, I think. Towards, the hell with the, ro- word, the wording. Safety. The hell with the wording. I mean, this these are pretty damn blatant. I don't care what it is. <laughs> I don't care what kind of words you use. Yeah. The word is he hit him in the head. He lowered his head. He hit him in the head. There is no yeah no interpretation right yeah. here. But the and uh, and those these two are perfect examples of that exact thing, which yeah. is which is the rule wasn't even about that. And these two are examples of head to head contact, which wasn't called. The rule isn't even about head to head contact. The rule's about head contact if your if your eyes are in the ground. It doesn't matter if you. And when we saw this called in the preseason a lot on receivers where guys would hit him in the chest guys would hit get uh, d- defender defenders would hit receivers in the chest uh in the sh- in the shoulders but they led with their head and they were and they were and they were calling it regardless of where they hit him but it, they're just not, they're not I think I know what the new rule should be You you want to know what that is? Yeah. You remember that game where you'd play against one another and you'd keep hitting the two guys Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Yes. Until somebody's head pops off, that's where it has to be. That's just what it has to be. I mean, that's the only way that they can't miss a flag. Is if someone's head's literally popped off? Yeah. 
Yeah. Which last week in Green Bay, the the guy that got laid out by the Minnesota defender. I mean, his head almost popped off. I mean, come on. It was blatant. It was obvious. That was a no call. Helmet rule. Your helmet pops off. Yeah. There. There we go. Penalty. There we go. I'll just be interested to see. Obviously, I don't think anything's going to change this year with it for the rest of the season. There's only four weeks left. Uh, I think three penalties was a little uh, blip on the radar. There'll probably be be three the last four weeks, and I would be shocked if there's any in a meaningful situation in the playoffs. Um, But it's just just kind of more – Yeah, it's just kind of more interesting to see if it's even addressed at all in the offseason and going forward. I was thinking on the way here that – because I was thinking about last season and how last season I feel like there were so many injuries. People were talking about how unsafe the game is and how dangerous it is to play football and how the NFL needs to do X, Y, Z. Superstars. And then I also feel like this is week 13. A year ago, week 13 was Monday Night Football with the Bengals and the Steelers and Shazier, uh, Shazier's injury because I was like, well – we're kind of deep into the season. Like maybe the season's different. Maybe they're making some changes. Like maybe these changes and culture shifts have come into effect, and that's why we're not talking about these injuries as much. Uh, but then again, I'm like, well, last year it happened at week 13. So, and I think if week 13 didn't happen last year, I don't know if we would have a helmet rule this year. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, yeah, uh, I would I would put money on that. They had to do something. They had to do something to, to kind of make up yeah, for that. The game looked so bad, and especially with the not even. I mean, the Shazier injury aside, the game looked visually it looked awful. Yeah, um, it was like it was like dirty. Yeah, um, that's Steelers Bengals for you. But <laughs> it was entertaining. I remember Montez. admitting that. I mean, yeah. it was a good it was a good game. Vontez yeah. um, so, got lit up that game. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Juju, got Juju, Juju got him. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know. It'll be interesting to see going forward. All right, to wrap things up here, we always end with the NFL player or NFL way to play player of the week for week 12. Uh, this week it went to Packers cornerback uh, Jair. Exactly. Here we go. Jair. That's a tough you one. You know what? That doesn't even look phonetic. Alexander. Bravo. But then again, it's your team. He's yeah. a rookie. Yeah, so I should know that even better. I shouldn't have a question mark after that one. Um but he had a strike down block with his shoulder, uh, and he finished with a wrap up tackle. So it was a double tackle. It was a nice play. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, just not what I envisioned week to week what correct. this was going to be. No. But that's a really nice football play. Oh yeah, for sure. It is probably like one of the better football plays you'll ever see. Technically, you could say it's the way to play. Ah ah ah. It is, yeah. But it's not. It does. It, I understand what you're saying. It's not living up to your. Um, Safety expectations. No. Yes. Expectations of how – yes, that's a great play. It's the way to play football. It doesn't – It's that has nothing to do with player, right. player safety. It was it was marketed in the, in the beginning of the season as being like a safety tip kind of tool, whereas right. it's kind of evolved into like a be a good football player tool. And I, and I think if you just pay an intern $10 to watch football for three straight days, he can find one play where a guy – decided or made a judgment snap decision to make a safe football play. But maybe that's too much to ask. Currently, I think it is to the NFL. This is – it has no rhyme or reason. It's just good – it's just good – It is a good play. It's good football play. Good no, hustle. No, it's a good, it's yeah. good play. Plays. Good technique. I'm just saying, 
compared and 75% to seventy five percent of them have been prime time games. Yeah, compared to last week with the wasn't last week the lineman. Yeah, they just pushed yeah, him out like of pushing the way. The guy who was like I already mean, falling over. Well, yeah. I, I don't understand where where any of this links up together. Yeah. So like this week was like a great football play, and like if you know football, you you can appreciate like yeah. how great of a play that is. But to like the average spectator, you'd look at that and be like, eh. yeah. it's like not a sexy play. But no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I, yeah. It doesn't really matter. Anything on uh, anything on your Packers, Kev? Before we wrap up, on the pack, yeah, that Mark, Mike, Mike McCarthy, McCarthy got fired. Ooh. I mean, and, and they lost to the Cardinals at yes. home. In yeah, snow. that's pretty bad. That's like a sin in in well, Green Bay. So I got fired. Do yeah. you think Rodgers and McCarthy hated each other? Do you think Rodgers quit? Do Rod- you think Rodgers lost games on purpose to get McCarthy fired? <laughs> yes, I doubt it. Do you what? Th- do you not think? I don't know. He's a he's a wild card. That yeah, guy. he's a great quarterback. <laughs> yeah, but I think he does things almost like Big Ben says things on purpose to like get people to say things. I think Rodgers does things on purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, Rodgers is too good with his accuracy to be throwing and missing people the way that he's been missing on some of these is plays. he the next slash first starting quarterback head coach general manager all at the same time whoa that's a big uh proclamation yeah maybe not gm but head coach <laughs> head coach and quarterback at the same time he would love that he would relish it relish relish mustard and relish it's good it's a good word you always bring the SAT words to the to the to the pod. Got a good vocab. Um, yeah. So, my thoughts on it. I've been a Packers fan my whole life, and to have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, and to like be like pretty much mediocre every year, and like just barely squeak into the playoffs, it's kind of frustrating for sure. Can you blame that all on Mike McCarthy? Probably not, but he's been there the large majority of his career, so. I guess we'll see next year when they have a... It's time for a change. Yeah. I agree. All right, gents. Thanks again for your hard work and preparing for this episode, and uh, we'll be back next week.